Hello and welcome to the Cozy Feminine Podcast. It is with great honor to introduce Johanna to the conversation. She is actually the host of the Vibrant Flow Podcast, which if you're not already looking that up and getting on board, I think you're making a big mistake and you should probably get on that ASAP. She's incredibly talented and incredible speaker and talks all about femininity and also helping women understand femininity and how to really step into their femininity in a strong and powerful way while respecting all of what makes us feminine women. So you yeah. just have such a great way of introducing that harmony in your podcast. So yeah. I, I'm excited to have you on. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm so excited to dive into these questions that you sent me earlier. I'm those are like my passion topics and I absolutely love what you do, Emma. It's Thank it's you. a pleasure to be here and such an honor also. And I love just connecting with women all around the world. It's a gift, yeah. it, it's been a blessing. And I really do pray that this conversation would be a blessing to everyone who hears it. I really hope so too. And, and you brought out something really quickly. It's so cool that there are women from all around the world because you're in Finland, correct? Yes. So like United States, Finland, I was talking to a wonderful woman in New Zealand. I've talked to people all over this country, the world. It's it's the most fascinating part of this whole building of this cozy feminine community where all these women, you come from everywhere. So cool. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is. Absolutely. It's so fascinating how people are women in this case from different cultures and societies are really, you know, feel this vibe, feel, you know, are resonating with these topics around femininity. So I think it's something yeah. that really brings us together as women. And that's a yeah. beautiful thing. I agree with you 100%. Well, I have an entire list of questions. And, you know, if we don't get to everything, then I guess you're just going to have to come back on. So that's just I'm fine with that. <laughs> um, I, I think the big one that I, I definitely want to start with that I have right in front of me is I really want to better understand how you came to your femininity, because I did read an inquiry about having been more of that tomboy. And that that's a very different journey for a lot of people. And I think nowadays in society a lot of times people would take that tomboyish nature and equate that to you then not maybe being more of a woman and maybe being less of a woman so at least where i'm at where right. i come from so i think it would be really cool to better understand your journey through femininity coming from a more tomboyish background and mm -hmm. how how you came to be and do you still have some of that like little tomboyish you know feist in you that you like to introduce yeah. every now and again uh, your life? <laughs> for sure yeah absolutely i mean this is not about eradicating your personality the journey of femininity for sure and i do have a lot of fire if i was to describe myself as an element I would say earth and fire. I'm I'm quite grounded and and peaceful. That's why I'm able to hold space for women and be a coach, but I also have a lot of fire. But yeah, so just I'm going to try to be as concise as I can, so I'm not rambling too much. Life is not very concise, so I feel like <laughs> that's true. If you got to flow with it, and it takes a little bit longer. There's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Okay, good, good. 
<laughs> so um, I was very, um, very, I wouldn't say competitive. I mean, part of me was very competitive for sure, but that was fear driven. And I'm going to go into that a little bit more. Mm -hmm. But so I've always been quite ambitious. So that's that's a part of me. But when I grew up as a kid and I, I have a wonderful family, loving parents who showed me the power of marriage and all of those beautiful things. And I was the firstborn. But what I picked up unconsciously from my surroundings as a child would is that being perfect, being a go-getter, being, you know, just, you know, going at it, doing it on your own. That's mm. how I'm going to make it through life. And I picked it up very early on. I remember being an eight-year-old and being like, okay, I'm never going to be a burden for my parents. Like an eight-year-old thinking this. And that can create a lot of issues down the road because then I, I really did excel in many things. At school, I was a you know an A student. Well, in Finland, that's a ten student because we have numbers. Oh, but um, cool. and um, I excelled in music. I started playing the saxophone. So it was school. It was practice. You know, work all day. Not a lot of fun. Very yeah. early on. So that sort of drew me into that. You know, I'm I'm just you know out there to, to get better at things, and um, that's how I sort of describe my own tomboyishness because I wasn't into anything that was considered soft. I had a very a distorted relationship with the whole word, and obviously wasn't even thinking about the term femininity at the time. That came just you know later in my twenties mm -hmm. after a lot of breakdowns in in many ways so i got really good at things and then i got into the comp competition of it all in music i got into the uh, music high school after two years of practicing saxophone from oh, wow. zero and others were like they've been playing an instrument since they were like five or something oh, wow. and i felt like i felt that pressure of i need to keep up i need to you know be as good as they are yeah. And yeah, I got pretty good pretty quickly. And then after the Finnish equivalent of a high school, which ends a bit later than what it does in the States, I got into the pop and jazz conservatory here in Helsinki to study music. I also got into the University of Helsinki to study English at the same time. And I accepted both um, because there were different levels of education. So I was able to do that. Um, and the first, let's say the first um, autumn when I started mm -hmm. at the conservatory, I put the university on hold because I couldn't do both like at the same time. Yeah. Um, I, I just, everything went down, downhill from there. I started developing nerve pain in my upper body, in my arms after like Ooh. rigorous playing for hours and hours, not taking care of your body, just being yeah. in the competition, you know, you're never enough. You have to do more, more, more. You have to get better, better, better. And um, I also, it's the reason why, by the way. really, sounds, really stressful. I actually feel like the weight on my own chest as you're yeah. sharing this. I can only imagine yeah. how your younger self too, by the way, like this is your younger self experiencing this 
intense amount of pressure. It's literally like the world yeah. is on your shoulders. Like, oh, sorry, continue. Yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt, but I could actually feel the weight of your story. Yeah. Wow. And for me, that was just normal. Like, that was the life I, at the time, I, unconsciously, I chose. That was the life I chose. I, I never thought that you could succeed in anything without putting a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into it. That was the paradigm that I lived in. That was what I lived to be true. So blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> yeah. um, and well, from there on out, three years in pain, trying to go from doctor to doctor, trying to find solutions to the pain that I did not understand, getting mm -hmm. depressed, starting to get panic attacks, starting to feel anxious, starting mm -hmm. to, you know, avoid crowds, avoid people because I couldn't deal with it. My nervous system was completely out of whack. I didn't understand the nervous system at the time, but that was the root. Like that was where everything was accumulating. And yeah. now I teach the nervous system as well as part of part of like becoming a vibrant woman because it's so important. But um, yeah, it was just completely out of whack. Um, mm. And the pain was just my brain's way of saying, I can't, I can't handle this anymore. And there are so many suppressed emotions that yeah. are threatening to, you know, erupt and take over you because you've been suppressing for years you've mm. not been able to deal with any of the negative emotions i just you know suppressed 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 and pushed 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 right um and so my body said no this is it like yeah. no we can't deal with this anymore and it was a very scary place to be in obviously because at the time i didn't know if i could ever heal because I went from doctor to doctor and um, it, it was a long process and no one seemed to know what was going was on. Ask, what, what were they claiming? Because I know I've had, I've suffered from really bad anxiety throughout mm -hmm. my life. Yeah. And I, it, the way it would present itself would be, oh, like I'm feeling this tightness in my chest. We don't know what's going on. And I did the heart monitor. They did this, all this stuff. And they couldn't figure out what was going on. And eventually I went to a cardiologist and they pretty much said, you have anxiety. And mm -hmm. I was like, why did this take so, so long? So what were they, what were they telling you? Mm -hmm. Were they telling you, we don't know what's going on? Or were they telling you that you had this or that? And it turned out to mm -hmm. not be any of those things. Well, yeah, there were many different explanations starting from like there's something like something building up like literally a substance building up in your arms that's causing the pain and all oh all kinds well, of down. nonsense. Yeah, it just it, it was Whoa. pretty much everything. And I tried many things as a result obviously uh, to no avail, but but um yeah, <laughs> I remember going to this specialist uh, physiotherapist or physical therapist and and just being at the end of my wits, being so depressed, like everything was gray, just the world was gray. I, I was just done. And around that time, I had my first like um, suicidal thoughts, which mm. I'd never, never, never thought I would even entertain for a second. But because I was just, you know, I, I didn't know if I could live with this kind of yeah. thing and um i remember just you know crying and being like please just give me the solution just give me you know give whatever it is just fix me yeah um 
but she was patient with me. She understood that it's it's a combination of emotions. It's a combination of your nervous system and uh, just the way you've lived. I didn't understand that at the time. And one of the things that people get caught up with is the desire to have that quick fix and that, you know, it, it's one yeah. thing. You give me the pill and that's it. Yeah. I was looking for that and you know I was also looking for miraculous healings and all of that anything really but um, I needed to go through that because I needed to understand how my body works actually I needed to understand that I was for years I was living in a way that went against my whole feminine being my whole feminine body my nervous system, my emotions, everything. I was disrespecting and disregarding everything and I didn't know that. So I needed to go through that pain to to learn these things so that I can now thrive yeah. and, and show other women how they can thrive as well. And absolutely you can heal from chronic pain. That's something that was also insinuated in many ways to me that, that you're just, you know, you're gonna live with this pain for the rest of your life. Yeah. It's better to get used to it now. Um, but I would not, you know, accept that. I was just like, no, I'm not accepting that. And I'm glad I didn't. But slowly and surely I needed to, like, I needed to learn about the brain, how pain works in the, in the brain, how brain creates pain because it it perceives that you're in a threat of some kind and mm-hmm. this particular one was based on those suppressed emotions and yeah. the the highly stressful life that I'd created for myself and and my nervous system not being able to handle it so it's a lot of things but basically understanding the the somatic aspect of everything that you are not just a mind um, and western medicine one of my frustrations with it is that sort of boxes here's your mind and here's your body and and your emotions are here and then your body is here and they're like yeah I mean if you're stressed then you might get a little you know yeah a stomach ache or whatever but anything beyond that is just not plausible and and that alone is just ridiculous I mean I'm ridiculous I live in the whole western medicine sphere as a whole and one of the arguments that debates that I would have with even with my family at times. Oh no, we disappeared. Oh, there we go. Okay, we had a little bit of a blip there, but we're good. So what I found within Western medicine, and this has caused quite a number of debate even between my family and I, um, occasionally my fiance and I, even though it's funny, there's like a debate, but then we do happen to agree at the same time. We're just going back and forth about it. And one of the notes that I've taken while under, you know, watching the news and understanding where Western medicine tends to come from, you know, I never see commercials or not never, but very, very, very rarely will see commercials that talk about the help from an internal place, health when it comes to even faith, health when it comes to spirituality, health when it comes to understanding your biological design Mm -hmm. and your psychological design between men and women. Um, I never really see too many. I always see plenty of pharmaceutical commercials that are 
in telling and encouraging people to be like, hey, you have this problem, take this pill. You have this problem, just get injected with this. You want to be able to do, just get poked and prodded and everything will be fine. And besides the fact that the side effects are absolutely horrendous, um, the there's there's such a disproportionate view of holistic health versus just take a pill and an injection, you'll be good. And I, I noticed that so much and I, I would get so upset that, you know, even during even during COVID, I don't know how it was in Finland, but in the United States, I didn't see any commercials that were encouraging people to make sure they're getting good sleep. Didn't see any commercials making sure that people are still socializing to some capacity or another. I didn't see any commercials about, hey, listen, Start praying a little bit. Why not, you know, get yourself more connected to something bigger than yourself in these moments that are really tough. I didn't see anything about diet as much. I didn't see really much of anything about like not without it being pumped and fueled by like this level of weird misplaced political activism. Mm -hmm. essentially. There was never just a commercial that would talk about, hey, I know it's really tough right now, but here are some really holistic ways that yeah. you can help improve your immune system, that you can help improve your nervous system, that can help improve your mind, body, and soul together. It's just not encouraged in Western medicine because they can't make money from it. Exactly. If it's not business, if it's not good business money, profitable, profit kind of yeah. situation for them, they're not interested. And what's sad is I see the communities around Western medicine. And the more I'm learning, the more I'm getting spooked. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like I do my best not even to take an Advil if I don't have to, or Tylenol or whatever. You know, people take ibuprofen, whatever people are taking for headaches. You know, even during that time of the month during my period, I don't take anything to mitigate it other than drinking water, exercise trying to trying to get decent sleep um so I, I do notice and i agree with you there really is this very distinctive separation in society between body and mind mm -hmm. when it's also convenient though too like yeah. people will put those two together when it's really convenient and mm -hmm. separate them when it's really convenient and i'm like that's not exactly how this works <laughs> like, yeah there has to be some principle in there. So I, exactly. I agree with you 100% on that. Yeah, the the effect of emotions is huge, especially for women. And that's that's been one of the most, well, <laughs> enraging things for me is when I realized yeah. that so many women are not taught how to process their emotions. And they and then when somebody even suggests the idea that, hey, suppressed emotions after years and years and years, can actually create physical symptoms no, and they're like no how did you figure out that you were suppressing like how did you know because i know it's a bizarre question but i yeah. feel a lot of us do suppress and we don't necessarily realize that what we are doing is suppressing right. and i think that does come from a lot of fear of maybe our emotions not being being perceived well and being rejected. I know mm -hmm. as human beings, we have a deep fear of being rejected. So do you, right. what opened up your eyes to seeing that, oh, you know what? I've been pushing these emotions down yeah. and it yeah. is causing harm. What yeah. was the moment that really helped you see that this was happening? 
Well, I personally never had time for that. Like, I mean, sitting with yourself and, and, and like reflecting on your emotions and, and really processing through them, feeling mm-hmm. your way through them. I, I didn't have time for that. So yeah. just I, there was no slot for, for that in my agenda, in my schedule ever. So that's one sign, one cue <laughs> or um, something that point, points to that. But then also when I was learning about healing from chronic pain, one of the things that um, I came across was the idea of suppressed anger or rage or sadness that when it, you know, sort of when it accumulates and and reaches a certain threshold, it just, you know, erupts and, and it just creates all these symptoms. So, well, that's like a theoretical way of understanding it. And no matter what your perception of it is, just basically understanding that your pain is there, you know, it's not coming from nothing. There is a reason for that. Yeah. And if there is nothing coming from scans, like your your body is fine and, and everyone's perplexed, maybe it's time to look within. Maybe it's time to look how you were raised, how how you grew up, how what kind of a relationship you have with your emotions is it is it ignorant is it is it like no i'm pushing you aside i i'm not even having a conscious relationship with my emotions i'm like yeah whatever you know yeah i don't have time for this because i need to be a productive human being for the society right um so that's also like something to think about but basically in somatic healing meaning Mm. like body based that takes into account your emotional self also in new german medicine which i do recommend getting into um emotions are at the root of everything actually and that's really hard for the you know very strictly western medicine mind to grasp no it's you know we're logical we're putting things into boxes this Mm. is ridiculous right you can't blame emotions for anything but we're holistic yeah. beings. I think there are no the, boxes. I feel like it's a very, not what you're saying, I'm saying what you're referring to about how Western medicine will view this. I do think it's it's so radical on, I think, either side to suggest that one has nothing to do with the other. It, yeah. It's just the concept of it. It's like the mind and body, they are one. Your mind, body, soul, they work together. Yes. And a lot of times they are trying or attempting to communicate without words because i mean where are the words coming from you know we're giving our bodies words we're giving ourselves language Mm -hmm. and if we aren't going to appropriately intertwine those two worlds together between mind or three worlds mind body and soul if we are not going to bring those two those three things together properly and realize that they work together harmoniously mm-hmm. to give us our existence and to give us our life story. I think we're doing an incredible disservice yes. because how do you know, how do you know that what you're feeling is not making ways for how your body is feeling? Mm-hmm. And 
what we feel comes from not so much the events that happen in our lives, but from the perception of those events. Exactly. Those perceptions come from our upbringing. They come from what we are exposed to. They come from what we see. They come from how we're taught to cope. Mm. They come from how we see ourselves in the world, how we see others in the world, those relationships. It's so complex. And for anyone to put any of that in just, here's this box that you're going to throw mm-hmm. yourself into because if your body's experiencing it then it must just be your body experiencing mm-hmm. it that that i feel would deter anybody from really fully understanding how to embrace who they are mm-hmm. about suppression you're like yeah. avoiding an entire piece of of your existence and that's the piece that is inspiring so much of how you're even approaching yeah. life yes Mm. Yes, you hit on something really important there, which is that it's not the what actually happened, it's how we perceive it. And that's the the basis of trauma, even. Trauma is how you perceive things and whether or not you were capable of processing that. And so that is why trauma is not just something dramatic that happens, something abusive, something like really horrendous. Oh, yeah. It might be a moment... When you were a child and and someone said to you something and you just were not able to process through that you were not able to digest that and it just stuck it was stuck in your nervous system yeah and so that creates the template for you to then go into adulthood and you know all of this accumulates like i said but again like going back to the story of mine long story short (laughs) i it it was a long, long journey for me. Most of my twenties have been this this journey of healing, and I got through that. But then, a, f- a few years after, when the pain disappeared after all the work that I'd done um, with myself, I'd noticed that I'd sort of fallen back to my old ways, my old mm-hmm. habits of pushing, pushing, right? And then the pain reappeared. And at first, I was beating myself up for that, right? Because a perfectionist, that's what she would do, right? Because you you need to heal perfectly and then be done with it. But again, that's not how the human system works. So it's been a huge yeah, lesson on grace. Yeah. Yeah. You touched, you, I love that you touched on the concept just now, just on that tail end of grace, because oh, the amount of times even personally... I'll step forward this goal of I'm going to be able to embrace my femininity in a much greater way than anything I've done before. Because similar to you, like I'm grounded, but fiery. There's Mm -hmm. a real, like, there's a churning of constant passion that is just, it's like, it's like acid reflux. It feels like it's going to just come up. It's just, it burns a little too much that we need to tame it down a little bit sometimes, but you know, it's hard to develop habits or even acknowledge good habits and then get back, I guess, out of the bubble of acknowledgement and realize, Mm -hmm. oh, I don't have a real grip on this quite yet. There's still work that needs to be done to be able to put this into motion consistently continuously that's hard it that is very hard to do so how did you get through that gap then because obviously that must have been a period of time where you like you said you had to Mm -hmm. give yourself a lot of grace how Mm -hmm. did you 
How did you even give yourself that grace? What is kind of the language that you would place with those moments where you were falling back mm -hmm. into those old habits? Because I do think a lot of women, including myself, and I think we're human, it's natural that we kind of ebb and flow. What, what would you tell to women that maybe do struggle with like, oh, I fell out of that. Now I need to get back into it. How do, how do you approach that with grace? Mm. So this was around the time that I sort of got interested in, in femininity as well. But the first thing I want to say is get support. I tried to do it on my own and I realized that I needed support. And then I made an investment on myself, on my health to get into a program for a year that supported me in healing from, from pain, like, or getting the tools to understand how I can support myself so that this cycle doesn't repeat. Mm. So that was, that was one of the most important things that I did. And at the same time, like I mentioned, I got into femininity. So it was just an accident. I started watching some, some, um, YouTube videos about homemakers who had chosen a life that I never, never, ever imagined that uh, I would, I would choose, which is to, to be at home and um, not work or, you know, and I was really curious and there was something in, in that, that really drew me in. And I just allowed that to happen. I mean, the time was ripe. If, if I'd come across that video a few years before that, I would not have even, you know, spent a moment thinking about it I would just you know ignored it but that opened the door for me to start exploring softness and femininity and what do, what does that actually mean like mm -hmm. I said I, I didn't use terms like masculinity and femininity before this so it, it was a whole new world and like a whole new set of language or terms to describe things um and it sort of clicked. It started to make sense. I'd been operating in the masculine, like pulling up these masculine shields that were not my core essence. And of course, life would be hard if you are sourcing your whole existence from something that has nothing to do with your particular design, the way you were designed. So yeah, it's going to be hard. It's going to be even harder for for a man because i was not designed to be that hustler that grinder yeah like even even the basic working world <laughs> nine to five here in finland it's eight to four <laughs> it, <Nice>. it, was, <laughs> it was based on how men operate and how their whole system operates which is which is not seasonal like we, we women are seasonal yeah. and cyclical beings they are very much like they reset themselves every every day it's like yeah, 24 hours and then they yeah that's their design too yeah. that was not yeah. made that wasn't really for women that was never yeah. planned for women whatsoever yeah those women weren't the ones at that time when they did create those different structures i mean it used to be a lot worse than eight to four nine to five even it used to be like 12 hour days every exactly. day 12 to 16 hours because men by design are created to be providers yes. and created to work. I mean, yeah. from even a biblical, even going into like a, on a biblical side there, that was their yeah. 
in a way that was actually their punishment um, in the very, very early stages. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm Jewish, but, you know, I know everyone has different interpretations of this. But that was the design of man was that a man was going to work. Yeah. And that was the schedule that was also created. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. Right. And um, that sort of that, the whole thing, like the, the rabbit hole of femininity drew me in and I was just hooked. And I knew that this there's something in this that I'm going to stick with for life. And I started developing, though, I started to cultivate my own femininity very intentionally. And at the time, also, when I, you know, I started watching those YouTube videos, I, I was having this fracture with my husband after like mm -hmm. the first years of marriage and, and like a fallout from my side. And, and we, we struggled, right? We struggled. And um, there's a lot that I, you know, I take responsibility for in, in that sense. And no wonder because I was, I was not in my essence. I was not in my feminine essence. I was not soft. I was very rigid, very hard, yeah. demanding critical oh the hyper being hypercritical is just acid to a relationship but it's also acid to the relationship you have with yourself of course and it's one of the things that we need to heal but that comes from healing our relationship with the masculine all masculine principles god being one of those uh, the highest one uh, which is really really important because yes. when we don't have, and I realized this now only later that I needed to source everything from me because I, you know, and I, I'm a woman of faith. Like, um, I, I, I grew up in a family that really emphasized the importance of having a relationship with God, but I was still sourcing everything from me you know on some levels i didn't know what else to do like i didn't have the knowledge or the understanding at the time but when a feminine woman tries to source thing everything from from this pushing from this i need to it's all on me i need to create everything i need to push i need to be on all the time yeah that's reflecting a fracture with our relationship with the masculine principles, which is support, you know, being provided, being supported, being, being uh, protected, right? And so even boundaries that you get to set, right, we get to set as feminine women, that's an example of a masculine principle that is there to protect you to provide for you so that you can flow and flourish. Yes. But I didn't respect any of those things. I was sourcing everything from myself. And when the feminine overworks, she's going to get exhausted. And oh, it's going, yeah. Fatigue you know, happens very quickly. Yeah. And there you, you know, cue anxiety, cue depression, <laughs> cue all these hormonal issues, cue um, nervous system dysregulation, which is all what so many women are experiencing all the time. Because, yeah. I mean, for goodness sake, look at the feminist agenda these days. You got to be a boss, babe. You got to be out there doing everything on your own. Don't you dare rely on someone else and especially not a man. Especially, yes. Yeah. Especially. It's dangerous. Yes, exactly. It's dangerous. There are a lot of unhappy single uh, women uh, who are childless, not even necessarily by choice or yeah. they convinced themselves it was a choice to not get married and to not build a family. And 
there's a lot of studies right now. There are a lot of, yeah. well, when I say studies, I mean more interviews than anything yeah. else that are coming forward finally that all these women that have, that had adopted the 1970s uh, feminist waves and everything like that mm -hmm. now that they're much older, they're of, you know, age of even retirement, a lot of them, they are looking back and there are interviews now where they're saying, you know, my career, I was told is going to be the best thing for me because my <laughs> career can't hurt me. And, you know, I can control my career, I can control myself. Mm -hmm. And now I come home and it's dark, it's empty. There is no one there. There are all these relationships that don't mean anything and that aren't substantiating any kind of life that I feel really great about, you know, dying in, so to speak. Mm. And it's uh, it's devastating because those are women that can't at certain stages, they've put themselves in such a position that, I mean, they could but by the time that they maybe get where they really, really want to be they're they can't bear children. Yeah. They're just not in that biological capacity to bear children. They could adopt. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it's a lot of times, a lot of women at those stages, they just kind of throw in the towel and they say, I should have, should have done things differently. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. so I agree with you. Feminist yeah. agenda has been a, it's been a rough one. Yeah, it's it it has, and it's just because it's been distorted, or or it has distorted a lot of truths, in a way. And one of my biggest problems with feminist agenda these days is that it programs women to, first of all, see themselves always as a victim, so that you have this filter on at all times that you see signs that have nothing to do with you really. Mm -hmm. But you're just going to interpret it as, okay, I'm a, again, I'm a victim, like men are out to get me or whatever. And I yeah. see this, I've, I've seen this in my studies throughout, you know, I'm just now graduating with my master's. Oh, and I, thank you. <laughs> and, uh, it's just been in, like in class discussions and everything, when we discuss even even like literature, a story from 100 years back, it's, it's just this filter, I can see how it's on how women are now very much used to looking for signs that they're a yeah. victim and this of course again plays into the fracture with everything masculine men yeah. included um uh, as you can you can't trust anything you can't trust men you can't trust anything so it's all on you again you have to self-source everything and that's yeah. exhausting but women take pride in that because it's it's been applauded like if you are super busy exhausted you're uh, you know you're doing everything on your own you're not supported by anyone that's like a badge of honor and yeah i mean I, I get that because i sort of got sucked into it at least partially but now i see the folly of it i see how absolutely ridiculous it is and um very often women are like you know, patting themselves on the back and being like, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm an intelligent woman. So, so I'm, you know, I'm in, I'm super independent and everything. Um, and it's just, again, it's like this, it's this safety blanket that we grab and grasp and, and, and try to convince ourselves that we're doing the right thing, but actually then when we're on our own and, and cause I talk to a lot of single women and I help them. One of my main audience, like 
demographic are women in their early 30s who are really changing their ways who are coming back to their femininity and yeah, wanting to wanting to you know get married wanting to have a family and yeah. they're healing their relationship with the masculine that's what i help them with is to heal that relationship so that they can be a vibrant yeah. woman <laughs> you can't have you can't and i I've, I've had this conversation before you can't be a healthy feminine woman until you have a healthy masculine relationship you really can't have it, it you can't have one without the other and i do believe that there's been this very weird there's the fake solution i call it a fake solution because it's really not a solution at all but that whole concept of in order to help women feel less of a victim which that the agenda doesn't really want women to really feel less of a victim which is very interesting but that's a whole other that's yeah. a whole other experience mm -hmm. um very interesting that's like cognitive dissonance at its finest. We, I know, I know. Victim, I, like, I feel it. <laughs> yourself as this boss who's not a victim. It's very bizarre. Um, but there's there's this, it's like you can't, uh, you can't really be a healthy feminine woman by emasculating men. Mm-hmm. Okay, yes. you're never going to actually feel the benefits of your femininity if you are focusing on ripping apart yes. masculinity yes. and manhood because it's that structure, it's those relationships with our masculine selves and with masculine men that help us as women to be able to emotionally relieve the pressure. It actually a lot like in in especially biblical texts especially there's a lot of focus on women came or other chaos so to speak and men are the order and granted now this starts to flow into femininity and masculinity as well but the idea is that femininity is the birth of creation creativity yes. it's the birth of fluidity it's the yeah. birth of our minds being able to expand beyond so many measures of the mm. imagination yeah. it's it's chaos because it's unorganized it's it's not even just it's not even disorganized it's just it just it, it's like fires bolting out of us it just it's our spark it's what yeah. gives us power and that's femininity but masculinity and this is what's so beautiful about masculinity is that that's the structure that's the order that's what gives us the the house of which we can run around with our pants off and not have to worry about anybody looking through our windows. Like mm. this is the place that we can explore our chaotic self safely without putting ourselves in danger, Yes, both emotionally and physically. And right now there, I think is such a push to just emask, emasculate men mm -hmm. to yeah. make us feel safer. But in turn, we actually feel more in harm's way and less safe because now we don't have protection. Yeah. Now we don't actually have, we don't trust our own protection, our own ability to protect ourselves through boundaries, through structure, through being able to look at a potentially dangerous situation and avoid it or cope with it in a way that helps us get to a safer place. But even with men, if we're emasculating men and we're not encouraging their masculinity, 
and listen, neither masculine nor feminine selves are perfect. Like there are definitely going to be flaws, but if we are then also emasculating men, then where did our protectors go? So great. We live in a world of boss babes who don't have any organized structure or order in their lives. And they are super emotional emotionally unstable because there is such an unhealthy relationship with the masculine principles. Mm. And now what do we have? And I've seen, I've seen it in offices that are predominantly filled with women that have those very feminist ideologies and everything. And I hate that it has become political, but it's just the way of feminism it is more of a political movement femininity mm. is not political mm-hmm. but feminism is but yes. they've meshed the two so you almost have to dress both at the same time but what i've seen with those women is a lot of them you could just feel it they're not soft they they struggle deeply with balance and harmony they struggle deeply with relationships and the relationships that i normally would find were being engaged in, which made me uncomfortable. A lot of gossip, a lot of putting people down, a lot of victim talk. Yep. I was like, this can't be right. That That's when it really started to click for me about femininity, by the way, was just kind of looking and seeing that this doesn't sound happy. Like this doesn't sound the way that I as a woman want to feel if I'm going to indulge in the boss babe community why does this seem so stressful why does this seem so almost unnatural so yes sorry completely Mm. got into that for a second but no that's that's really good emma i i love that you brought that in and definitely i've i've had similar observations and which just why i for example my husband he works in a team predominantly comprised of women in mm. their like midlife women mm-hmm. uh, with a lot of like heartache and mm. and it's just there's a lot of that victim mentality there and then attacking men as a result if if you're disappointed in a man then then you pour it out on other men other men like in general and it's just it's really sad because there's a lot of like all this like backstabbing and everything because where is that coming from? That desire to control and manipulate is coming from fear. And that's yeah. the, the, like, that is the root of everything. Oh, the, yeah. the desire to control is coming from fear. Perfectionism, right. the way it controls a woman's life, like it did mine, came from fear. Uh, I didn't realize that, but it, it does. And what were also, you scared of? I'm sorry to interrupt. What were you scared of, if you don't mind me asking? Mm. Like, no, you yeah, didn't want to be a bur- I know you mentioned not wanting to be a burden yeah. on your parents and that was a very young age. I mean, is that still was that still the driving fear or was there something that was a little bit more expansive as you got older that also I, added to that? I number? think I think it derives from this fear that you're not enough, that you're never going to be enough because that drives you to push and do more and do more and and try more, right? And it's it's a constant like you're never going to yeah. try to perform yourself to or you can never ask, perform yourself to be enough i was gonna ask like through the perfectionism because i agree with you this is yeah. such a big topic and i'm excited to dive into this yeah. because this is one that i think grips both men and women in yes. unhealthy ways yes and so like did you did you find that all these efforts of 
working on being perfect, did you ever actually feel like you reached that, that, you know, no, I never reached anything. Did you reach anything? Yeah, no, no, no. It's, it's never, it's never here. It's always there somewhere, you know, it's, and, and that, you know, I've learned because I now I have a very much a better relationship with my desires. And like I said, in the beginning, I do have a lot of ambitions. I I'm multi-passionate. I love to cultivate my skills and I'm devoted to those things. But devotion to the gifts that God has given you and the visions that you have in your heart is yeah. different it is feel of, you know, you can feel how different it is. It's a different texture, different resonance, different vibration, everything um, than compared to that perfectionistic fear driven push yeah. and grind, which is never going to satisfy because the ego, which is very much based in fear because it tries to keep you safe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's never going to be satisfied. And we need to make peace with that. But there's a part in our mind, our ego, that is never going to be satisfied, but you don't have to live from your ego. You don't have to live from it. And you can create a conscious relationship with it so that it's not unconscious in a way that it's running your life like it was for me. It was running my life, every aspect of it, because it was an unconscious relationship. And I was being... I was like in a program. I was in a trance, yeah, essentially. And so part of this femininity journey has really awakened myself to the fact that I need to have these conscious relationships with parts of me. And just like with the healing journey, when you heal that fracture with first, you know, your inner child and, and, and with masculine principles and the fact that I, need, I don't need to perform my life I don't need to perform to be accepted, which is for some women, it's, it is the toughest lesson to oh, yeah. really go through. Um, now I lost my train of thought, but um, <laughs> I understand you, what you're saying, though. Yeah. So you're exposed. The way that you're developing perfectionism is coming from a lot of fears that also might have been introduced by your peers or your parents or your schools or whatever that have told you, you have to perform. Yeah. And that if you're not performing in a very specific way, based off of wherever you're standing in front of, mm. and whoever you're standing in front of, then you're inherently behind and you'll never get ahead. So then attempting to even reach that perfectionism it's virtually impossible because you're already been programmed that you're behind. Like there's just, you're already a goner before you even get started. So then your whole life becomes this chase to get something. And the, I love, you said a couple things that I'm, I wish I could print out and just put on like, just put on a poster. Why not? Let's do it. (laughs) Um, I love that you one brought up the fact that, you know, you don't have to live from your ego. You don't, you're not everything has to be driven by ego. Ego is a very, ego is a great tool, but it it's not meant to be 
the foundation of which you can build your life. It's a toolbox. It's Mm -hmm. something that you can dip into when you do need protection, when you do need that, like to understand that you are a conscious being that's worthy of your life. You do deserve to feel protected. Like your ego helps with that relationship, but our egos are very much driven by fear Mm -hmm. and it's very much driven by perception of how the world's going to also perceive you. And you then also talked about just the concept of how perfectionism, I mean, that coming from fear and living outside of that, I think it's so valuable because it, it is an unconscious relationship that can be exactly what's deterring us as women and as men, in this case, as women from achieving actually what would feel good mm-hmm. yep that's that i love that you brought up the unconscious relationship and you you then brought us on a little journey and a pathway there to understand the importance of having a very conscious relationship with ourselves and that's going to unearth that will unearth emotions that are probably really painful mm-hmm. and i know i've been there i think we're being reflective, I'm an only child and being reflective, I always had so much time by myself that I, I think I thought too much in some ways, but you dip so much into reflection. And I, I've learned even talking with other people because I've had so much opportunity to reflect, I've realized how many people don't. And and when when I talk more, having very profound conversations, I can tell this is unearthing really uncomfortable experiences and emotions for the other individual. And then normally we try to backpedal and, you know, bring it back down to planet earth, but having a conscious relationship, an intentional relationship with your essence, your energy, what is rooting you to the world, to the ground of which you're even walking on, that's, I think, are going to create a lot more healing than chasing this already s- failure setup where you're never going to reach perfectionism. Mm-hmm. It's such yeah. an unhealthy relationship. But I guess the big question is, what do we do about this? Mm-hmm. What, do mm-hmm. we, what do we do about it? And how how do we even in moments where maybe we could feel ourselves chasing, yeah. what is the Here's big questions. And I feel like you're just the right human to be. <laughs> right. What um, is, yeah. That's an important question. Yeah. What, and even going a little deeper, this one, you're going to really love. You're going to love this question. Besides, what do we do about it? This is, this is a golden question, I think. I'm going to toot my own horn for it. What does the chase feel like? How do we know that we're chasing? Because I think... I think that's really how we can begin to even approach what we do. So we first, like like you said, emotions run so much of our world and our emotions are run by our perceptions. But what is chase? What does chase mean? Because the ambitious woman within me would mm-hmm. think the chase is this exciting adrenaline. Like I'm in the chase when I feel this rush of my mm-hmm. body. Like I feel heat. I feel sensation. That's the chase. Mm-hmm but is it the chase? Like, and also, is that the right chase? Is that chasing perfection or is that just being an ambitious human? Mm-hmm. So what is, what is the chase feel like? And what do we do about perfection? I, I know I just like dumped the questions, but no I, worries. I got you. I, I got you. I have to, I have to hear this. 
Right. Okay. So there's a few ways that I can go about this, but okay. So let's start with the chase question. And then I would like mm -hmm. to um, touch upon the good girl syndrome as well, because it mm -hmm. relates to all of this. Um, I, saw that in, I, I, I saw that in the inquiry as well. I'm definitely curious to yes. get into so, that. Okay. So what does the chase feel like and whether or not you like, do you know if it's something that you're supposed to like be experiencing? So I want to go back to the, the notion that I threw up a, a moment ago, which is devotion. And for anyone who has goals, who has desires, that are very strong on their heart. You as a relational feminine woman are created to have a devotional relationship with those desires, because just like in the biology, the, the, the egg doesn't go chasing nothing, right? She's just, you know, sitting there in her glory being like, yeah, you're gonna come to me. Okay. And after that, when the masculine has penetrated her, like the, the seed has come through, right? Mm -hmm. She is active. Okay. She's active. She goes through the fallopian tubes into the uterus and attaches herself to the, the, uter the, the surface of the uterus, right. Mm -hmm. And goes through this whole host of different things, transforming into something different, the creational cycle. Right. And there's discomfort there at times, of course, there's expansion, all of it. So there is activation. And this cycle has to do with your desires as well. It's the blueprint of every desire and goal that you have in your heart as a feminine woman. But you're not chasing things ever. Okay, you, if it helps, I like to keep that biology metaphor in, in the front, I mean, forefront I of your mind. I studied molecular bio when I went to college. So all of everything that you're talking about, I'm like, yes, <laughs> you got it. You got it. Yes. So you Trust understand. Me, you, can go, you can go full on science with me. I am a okay. I think they actually marry each other beautifully. I think they do. Are, they do. I mean, actually really need to see that this is a beautiful construct. That yeah, is it is it. It holds so much you. truth in it, right? We understand yeah. biology. We understand a lot, actually. Oh, so, yeah. um, <laughs> Anyway, so we're not chasing. What does the chase feel like? Well, it, it, if, okay, imagine that the egg went out to chase. What would happen? What, like, what, what would the outcome be? Okay. Mm -hmm. First of all, she might, you know, go, I don't know, go in the wrong direction, like miss the sperm and it, you know, the whole system would not operate as it should. And it wasn't meant to. Yeah. It exactly. just worked by design yeah. though. It, I love that you even, I'm sorry to interrupt. I love that you even introduced this piece of the puzzle because I, I, I do believe this. Too. I don't think there's such a thing really as an alternative. I feel like if God really wanted you to have alternatives and like, you know, like those stories where you can choose this story mm -hmm. if you want this, but like then turn to this page. And then yeah, if you want yeah. this, then you turn to that page and yeah. you know, choose like your adventure story, choose your adventure. That's not really how our life is created. Because if God really wanted that to be the case, we would come up to every uh, every fork in the road, and there'll be a screen in front of us that says, "Okay, well, let's see if I want I want that outcome." So I'm just gonna click on that. Well, like that's not how our life was designed. Whatever happens was 
exactly supposed to happen that way. There was an alternative. So the egg, the egg's purpose is to present herself. That's it. She yeah. just needs to exit and present and hold tight and like put herself in the position to be pursued by the sperm. Yeah. That's that's it. That was never meant to go any other way than that one. And even to to exercise or think about like, well, what would happen if the egg did have to chase? Yeah. Well, it never had to chase. So therefore the the biology is letting us know even from the egg perspective that the feminine the feminine world the x chromosome okay because mm. it's it's the sperm that's deciding what's happening next okay but like by definition the egg is x that's it eggs is always going to be x never be y mm. always x so by design from an energy standpoint too she was never meant to chase yeah. There was never going to be that that alternative. It's only when we started welcoming the alternative mm. did everything get completely. Yes. Now we have struggles with embracing the masculine mm -hmm. side, the feminine side. Like now we're struggling because we went against just the most basic fundamental principle of how life is even created. And mm -hmm. that is the feminine was never meant to chase yes She's meant to present herself in a way that encourages the masculine that other side those other 23 lovely chromosomes that are entering the picture to get to they she's meant to create access i think my cat is loving the conversation <laughs> she's meant to create access but he's meant to pursue that access yeah Yes, exactly. Here's my design. There's not even meant to be an alternative. Sorry, I got so yes. passionate about that. That was yes. awesome. That is the, the premise that we start with. Yes. And that is so important that we, we keep that picture in our mind because I used to chase like that. I, I used to chase a lot yep. and I never really got anywhere. Like, yeah, I got some accolades here and there, are, you know, mm -hmm. just it, it achieved something, but I never really got where I wanted to go in, you know, anyway and some women do like they do get to whatever the goal is by chasing but then they get there and it's not satisfying no. it's not satisfying because again it was driven by ego it was driven by fear by by not love and connection not not by devotion like again going back to the fact that you you are meant to have a devotional relationship with everything in your life and if it's not, it's time to reassess. Yeah. And so, but again, going back to the biological, like the metaphor, after the masculine has penetrated the egg, the egg is active. She moves, but she, she ain't chasing still, but she moves. She goes through a whole metamorphosis and, and expands. And that's how, for example, you get a, you get an idea. You get a vision, you, you have this, you know, an idea of a podcast and that penetrates you like the masculine mm -hmm. and you hold it in and you start moving with, with that guidance and you experience the transformation that comes from it, but you sit tight there. You're, you're just being devoted to the process. You're not going out there and, and trying to bypass a lot of steps in the process because you're trying to be everything. You're trying to be the sperm and the egg at the same time, which you can't. Um, but you're just sitting with it and you're sometimes like feeling discomfort. There's a lot of emotions that you're going through, but you're holding 
and you're creating that spaciousness to hold it all in yes and that capacity to hold is then what allows for the birth and when the birth comes you know that's you know there's also expansion there's stretching all of that so you are growing out of your comfort zone right so it's not that you're being passive and la 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 you know somebody's feeding you grapes that's not the image that we're you know painting here but that's how the most beautiful things come about whether it's a, a human child or something else it may be an intangible a thing a project or it could be a plant in all honesty yes. if you even think about how a seed is planted the seed is similar to the egg she makes herself available she puts herself in an environment where she can grow safely and comfortably and once she has been penetrated once yeah. there is that break that mm. that chance for the seed to plant roots and to actually grow and even grow as far as to break the earth and go and do the most beautiful godly act of growing that is also an opportunity the the seed isn't you know trying to squirm her way through the dirt to find the right spot like no she's she's planted she grows where she's planted and even with the storms even with everything that can come her way there's still going to be that growth that's trusting that process uh you literally are giving me so many emotional feels right now. <laughs> Jokes. Seriously, this is this is incredible. I'm really enjoying this conversation. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> great. So how does this tie then? I, I'm I'm sure I'm probably skipping a step or two, but then how does this like tie into the good girl syndrome? Yeah. Like what is, what is the good girl syndrome and how does it relate to perfectionism? Mm -hmm. How does it kind of relate to even just this basic fundamental principle of life and creation that we seem to be fighting really hard to redefine, Mm -hmm. Um, but like, let's not redefine it. Let's just accept the truth of how life is created. It's a beautiful, beautiful process. Yeah. But how do, how does this all come together? How Mm. do we put on this? Yeah. So riveting I, I love this most of us are like really familiar with the term for perfectionism right because we throw it around and so many women can relate to it like mm-hmm. yeah i can relate to that it really feels like me but there's also another term that i learned through my healing journey which is goodism mm-hmm. and goodism is essentially like perfectionism is a way of operating that's not your true self and it's essentially saying like i need you to like me you need to approve of me or else i'm be really anxious or whatever i need you to perceive me as good at all times i'm dependent on your perception of me as good so that i can function it's you know i'm i'm dependent on you seeing me as this good and self-sacrificing woman or whatever And therefore, I am going to manipulate myself and situations around me and you, most likely through people pleasing or any variance of that, so that I can keep that charade going so that I can, you know, medicate myself through that so that I can keep going and not feel awful. Well, even those, you know, most likely you're still going to feel anxious, uh, because, you're completely in this codependency 
of everyone else having power over you, your emotions, how you feel about yourself. You're giving away your crown. You're saying, here's the, here's the, um, here's a stick. Please beat me with it. Please, yeah. please, you know, just the control. And you have the control. Victim. You feel like a victim of your yeah. own, of your own life. Exactly. And so people pleasing, seeking approval, this is all part of the good girl syndrome. And this is not about being pleasant, which is good. You, you know, there's nothing wrong with being pleasant. I certainly want to be pleasant and kind because kindness is, is rooted in truth, but, mm. and also being true to myself and who I was created to be. But think about the words like, you probably heard like the distinctions between kind and nice. Yes. But it's really interesting how the word nice has gone through this transformation in meaning, but the root word in Latin and then the like, let's say 13th century old French that it traveled through to English mm -hmm. means foolish, ignorant, unaware, even needy. That's and I think that word... Sorry. Like nice, you mean the origins of the word nice or the yes. origins of the word kind? Oh, so nice. the word nice has origins that stem to almost like almost like an oblivious, ignorant yeah. child that doesn't really know about the world. That's what it almost sounds like. Yes. And I think the word needy in old French, around 13th century, it had that meaning that with the word nice also to be really? needy. Yes. Wow. And that is really revealing something. <laughs> yeah. If you have this relationship with having to be nice, having to to be perceived as a nice girl, as a good girl, you are essentially needy. You need someone else's approval, right? You need their perception of you to be something so that you yeah. can go on another day. But you're constantly being in a cage. And so many women that I meet are needing to, you know, shake up and realize that they are giving away their power. They are giving away what should be an intimate relationship with yourself and God. And you're externalizing it. You're, you're just giving away, not understanding what's going on. And yeah. it's all due to this fear of needing to be perceived as a good girl so that you're not going to judge me. But... Thing, thing is, people judge anyway. Most likely, they're still going to think about themselves, not you. Yeah. So it's it's an illusion and it's a choice. And everything that you are not changing, you're essentially choosing. So it's time to change this relationship with this whole thing. You get to be kind because that is rooted in truth and in, yeah. rooted in being true to yourself and mm -hmm. who you were created to be. But don't be nice. You don't have to be nice. I know the word nowadays has a different set of meanings, but it, does, but... it doesn't though. I'm going to be honest with you. Really? I don't think it does. I think people are doing their best. I, I see it all over the place. And I mean, I'm only, I'm 29 years old. I'm about to be 30. So there's still so much that I, I haven't seen. I love observing though. And what I've been observing is that I think people are so uncomfortable with truth. And I know that truth is a very philosophical concept alone. I mean, it's it's hard for people to even conceptualize truth in so many ways um, and even define it for some people. It's very hard. But what I've noticed, especially around 
the topic of being nice because I've had that conversation where I'm like, don't worry so much about being nice. I care more about being kind. And even in kindness, there are ways to address issues where you can still be pleasant and it's, it has nothing to do with being nice. And I do believe that people have tried to maybe warp what nice means, which is not changing necessarily the definition, but they're trying to perceive niceness mm. as this vehicle to get validation. Yeah. And I don't think that has really, like what you're saying with the neediness, I don't think it's really changed. I think it's just that people avoid even really identifying being nice as that, or, or that finding validation is a bad thing mm -hmm. in others. Like, I think there's also just a different level of acceptance. I, and I've had this talk with others before. There's a difference between compassion and agreeing. And just because I don't agree with you doesn't mean I have no compassion towards yeah. what someone may be going through or what you're going through. Yeah. It's, it has nothing to do with being nice. It has to do with being kind. Mm. But a lot of what's happening, at least in society, around a lot of controversial issues and a lot of really outspoken, passionate people about these issues, what I've noticed is that they don't care as much about even being nice. They just want to be validated. Mm. But they put nice in there as a way to, I think, actually diminish boundaries, diminish principles that, you know, if you are really nice, you wouldn't be so rigid. Yeah. If you were really nice, you wouldn't be disagreeing. Mm. If you're really nice, you would accept everything that's in front of you and never challenge it. And I think, I guess what I'm trying to say now that I, I've articulated out loud, which is not the best way to go about doing things, but what I'm trying to say is that I think niceness has become more of a weapon yeah. than even just a term that means what you were talking about, the, yeah. the, the root of it being that needy codependency relying on others. I think it's just become more weaponized mm. where people are like, well, you're not being very nice because people know what that nice means. If they're saying, if they're looking at you and you're disagreeing, it's like, well, that's not very nice. Mm. What you're saying is you're not allowing me to tell you that I validate you. By you not being nice, you're telling me that you don't need me. So I actually think that people aren't changing the definition. I think they're just using niceness right. as a weapon mm. to get people to to bend to whatever it is that they're doing. So yeah. there are a lot of women that will bend yeah. because they want to be they want to be validated. Yes. They want to be perceived as nice. Yes. But I do think when women I do think when people are when people tell others, well, you're not being very nice, even even a parent to a child you're not being very nice. We aren't changing the definition. We're just, in, we're almost like warping it and distorting what nice then could be used for. I think it's just being used as a weapon. Mm. Yeah, that's really interesting. I'm glad that I you brought that you. up. I agree with you. And I definitely agree with you. Yeah, it goes back to the, the manipulation that is based like people pleasing is essentially manipulating like i'm i i'm going to manipulate the situation so that you perceive me in a certain way because otherwise i i'm not fine yeah right that's so thing. it's yeah. it's again it's not based in being truthful like 
And again, nobody's saying here that you should go blurt out some stupid stuff just because you're thinking it. No, <laughs> right? There's, um, there are boundaries that are yes. put in there. Yeah. Yes. And you really want to be um, a kind, right? And that sometimes really requires you to speak your truth like you you just say what is actually truthful in that situation not so that you're saying hey i actually hate your hair not just like no that, that's, that's not what mean. we're talking about yeah that that's being cruel to somebody there's yeah. a difference i think people are constantly trying to warp the word it's like inventing their own rules of the game yes. so to speak like well you can't really say that because that's not being nice but then yeah. you can't really say this either because then that's being cruel and you can't mm -hmm. it's like no you there are ways that one can approach something in somebody without killing their spirit. And sometimes if it does happen to kill their spirit, there also might be underlying issues that have nothing to do with the individual mm -hmm. that is saying something that is offending that individual. Yes. So it um, all goes back to being codependent or yeah. being actually grounded in yourself and yeah. not needing someone else to be there to, you know, approve of you so that you can then approve of yourself. But it's so interesting when, when women in my sphere, when they start experiencing that liberation of not needing to be perceived in a, in a certain way, because that has been kept, you know, keeping them really rigid and in pain and everything, because you're so afraid of making mistakes that you're literally stuck. Like even in the dating game, you're so afraid of making mistakes that you'd rather not do anything. And that yeah. for many women is the case. That's what they're experiencing. And, and I'm then, you know, helping them to see like, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to, first of all, start again with your relationship with yourself. Is it conscious? Is it unconscious? Where are you giving away your crown in all of these areas? Where are you? Uh, holding on to victim mentality unconsciously. Um, it's, it's so often it's unconscious, right? And then starting through feminine embodiment, because it's all, again, going back to the body, the soma, somatic. We are relational beings and we need to have a relationship with every part of ourselves. And that's why feminine embodiment is such a like big word nowadays at least like in the sphere of femininity because we've been disembodied in so many ways and the oh, good yeah. girl syndrome is a manifestation of being highly disembodied perfectionism perfectionism is also right it's all like being stuck in your head being a floating head without a body right yes and again i want to say that when i talk about the good girl syndrome and how that's some that's a stumbling block for women who want to actually see their desires come to fruition. This is not about me preaching some weird, you know, you know, you need to go bad, like be, be a, yeah. be a Rihanna, be like good girl gone bad. <laughs> that's, that's not none of it. Like, because for example, I talk a lot about sensuality and, you know, feminine body based, like pleasure even, and people, still from like certain indoctrinations or programming, whether it's like church or I don't know, synagogue, any congregation, any, any sort of disembodied relationship with the feminine wholeness. Mm -hmm. It's this fear that, okay, I'm going to become this Jezebel figure. And it's completely yeah. not true. Like it's so 
it's so not true, but that's what your fear is trying to tell you. And so I just want to address that because it is a real thing. Like women, they come to me and they're like, yeah, I feel this pull. Like I want to experience what my sensuality is like, but I don't want to be this Jezebel. I don't want to be promiscuous. Like I have these values, these clear values and, Mm -hmm. and my morality and principles. And, and I want to be obedient to God and I want to honor marriage and all of these things. And I'm like, yeah, me too. (laughs) So it's not about that. Yeah. In fact, even in a, in a biblical way, there's nothing about, as far as at least I know, and I'm not super versed or anything like that, but pleasure is a very important piece of a relational success and the the idea is that you can find relational pleasure like you can find sensual pleasure relationally with your partner through growth and through you know experimenting with your partner the idea is that your partner provides a safe place for you to express your feminine sensuality and but i do think that there are a lot of women that have taken more of the rihanna let's say side of things and I have a lot of opinions about about that. I yikes. Um, but I have, you know, I, I feel like a lot of women though have taken more of the complete radically opposite yeah. viewpoint of like, well, if I need to explore my sensuality, then I need to become this bad girl, so to speak, and mm-hmm. be more promiscuous and go against those maybe those values that I had before because how else am I going to do it I think Mm -hmm. people kind of take an idea on either side of the spectrum when it comes to those who maybe have more traditional values versus non-traditional they take an essential idea and they just they go radical on both sides I'm like you could also just explore your conscious relationship with yourself yeah and explore your sensuality in a way that isn't completely also destroying your biological ability to connect with people mm-hmm. but you also don't have to be a recluse and you know completely shut yourself off either connection adds to your health and longevity i think people just don't know how to take a sensual idea sometimes we all i think are guilty of it at one point or another take a sensual idea and just like kind of orbit around it come like safely and like gradually orbit around it in a way where you can explore all of your different options without completely disrupting your ability to function as a feminine mm-hmm. woman. Yeah. Like, I think there are ways to go about doing yes, that. Yes, I, I agree with you. <laughs> I agree with you. And there's a tendency of like, going from one extreme to to the other. And that sort of, it might come from rebellion and again rebellion is rooted in fear and it's rooted in a fractured relationship with the masculine so so i i do see that playing out and if you're just you know you know now showing every single like intimate part of your body on your social media whatever (laughs) i don't know i just i'm not throwing you know i'm judging anyone but that's just you know my preference doing a healthy i think there's a difference between judgment and criticism. Yeah. Judgment is how we observe the world and create conclusions based off what we see. There's actually no negative connotation in the term judgment. I looked it up. I was curious. I'm like, what does this actually mean, this word? Um, yeah, it's discernment. Yeah, when it's discernment, yeah. yes. Like, if criticism is different, but there are some cases where judgment and criticism is safe to look at the results of these actions and say, this is not yielding to a healthy feminine. Yeah life if you're if you are 
exposing every intimate part of you yeah. to all these men are, mm. and all of, all of the public mm. through all these different ways. I mean, I, I'm very okay with judgment and criticism in those ways because those same women are the ones that are going to come to you when they're 60 years old and they haven't been able to secure healthy relationships yeah. in their lives and they're unhappy. Yeah. So trust me, mm. you're okay. I don't think you're hating on anyone or anything. I think it's you're observing. This is what's happening and it's clearly yielding this result and yeah. this result doesn't sound very fulfilling. Yeah, so again, <laughs> it's like a like I mentioned earlier in this conversation, a boundary is also there as a masculine principle to protect you, right? Yes. And so when a woman is like, oh, you know, screw it, I'm gonna, you know, do everything, like I'm just gonna expose everything. Mm -hmm. it, it might even be a trauma reaction really and again it's that fracture i i believe with some some women will disagree with me and that's fine but i don't yeah. i don't think it's coming from a place of a restored relationship with the masculine yeah. when when a woman does that now does a woman get to embrace her sensuality and her sexuality yes absolutely that's what i'm here for because that's coming whole but it needs to be done in a safe container, right? Yep. And for me, that absolutely is marriage. Um, yes. That is the best container for it to flourish. Yeah. It's exciting too, because you can experiment and explore and know that you have one person yeah. that is going to have all that access. Because every time you show yourself as even a woman because mind, body, and soul are connected. So I think sometimes part of the fractured femininity and fractured masculinity is women that do expose a lot of themselves physically to men and to unfulfilled relationships or to non-committed relationships. There's a vulnerability. You're not protected when you're exposing yourself in this manner, both sexually and just by physical observation. If I'm looking at a woman and she's not remote, there, there's really not much left to my imagination. Mm -hmm. I can very much, I'm like, I have a feeling that's what's going on underneath. Like I could just have a feeling I'm human. I look at that, I'm thinking to myself, you know, I'm not a bad person to my knowledge. And, you know, I can look at this and I, I see you as a, as a woman, as a human being that's, you know, maybe, maybe you are going through something, maybe there is trauma, maybe there, you know, why do you feel the need to do this? But like, I approach her from a real place of love, but I'm only one person. And if you're showing that to thousands of people online, mm -hmm. I can guarantee there are many, many people who do not approach that individual that woman in the same way where there's like a real genuine concern or a genuine curiosity as to like how did you get there, mm -hmm. there are a lot of people who look at that and she's no longer protected like she will be exposed to objectification she will be exposed to the nice factor the good girl syndrome of in a really unhealthy way where it's mm -hmm. like if you are looking like this then you should be making me feel like empowered like you should i'm gonna approach you sexually so mm -hmm. i can get something sexually from you and then if the woman gives it to that man especially then where there's no protection there's there's none so i agree marriage 
safest container that you can have because there's a covenant that is upheld when you're in marriage where that individual is looking out for you in your best interest in like to god like it's literally there is no higher institution of partnership than marriage hands down i don't care what anyone says <laughs> people might hate me for saying that but marriage no, is i agree with you i'm definitely, definitely on the same train yeah but yeah, yeah. I love that. This, this has been amazing. amazing. I think we need to do a part two because I we do. I need to wrap I, this up. I know. No, trust me. I feel you. I, I was looking at the time. I'm like, oh no, like I have this long. But then I realized it's because we have one. I love your point of view because I feel like, like I get you. You get me. I'm like, this is great. But we definitely do need to have part two because I think the the next time I really want to talk about emasculation yes. and more of that like masculine because we talk a lot about the fracture mm -hmm. right and we talked a lot about different ways that the feminine woman can present herself without the chase and you yes. know understanding just on the basis of our biology we were never meant to be these chasers of life we were here to be presenters so that the masculine can chase us and then we can bore and create bear yeah. and create life um and now i think it would be so interesting in another podcast episode to go over the fractured masculine emasculation mm -hmm. how this is happening why it's happening in society and dive a little bit more because i i agree like if there's like a hundred thousand percent with you that there's definitely a very interesting not in a great way but interesting situation going on within more of the political side of feminism that's that's really starting to disrupt and hurt the masculine yeah. even in women mm -hmm. where i think it'd be very cool to go over how emasculation and the fractured masculine is affecting yeah. us so for sure yeah i have a lot to say about that so let's do it <laughs> I know. And thank you so much. Seriously, thank you so much, Joe, for coming on. I really, I want everyone on here to know what's your Instagram handle. Talk about how can people reach out to you because you are a coach. And, you know, one day, maybe, who knows, maybe I could aspire to really be in that position where I can help other women enter this. I'm still so new and learning so much. But how can women reach out to you? to get some help on that coaching and guidance mm -hmm. to embrace and learn about this femininity journey right. that you were even on and how to help others yeah. on theirs. How do people reach out to you? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at the vibrant flow podcast, everything together. And my website is also the vibrant flow podcast.com and the vibrant flow podcast you can find on any podcast platform with that name yeah. and i'm sure emma will put the links wherever yes. the show notes are mm -hmm. and yeah i'd love to hear from you uh, my dms yeah. are always open you can always send me a message i love sending voice messages and getting back to you having these discussions and and conversations yeah. what resonates and and perhaps if you have further questions don't hesitate to send them my way. And if you're interested in my coaching, you can send me a DM about that. It's the Vibrant Woman program that I do offer for, for women who either want to find themselves in that relationship that they've been stuck 
or they really want to get married and they want to heal their relationship with the masculine and be that vibrant magnetic woman that they are created to be in their unique way and have that devotional relationship with everything in their lives that's what i love doing and helping with and also young wives who struggle in their new role because that's who i was yeah that's how i learned my femininity lessons is when i was a young struggling wife not knowing how to navigate that role not knowing how to create a devotional thriving passionate relationship with my husband other than you know just the commitment part which is huge yeah. but yeah there's a lot to that but there's you can so reach me out that. yeah well joe it's such a pleasure having you on i am more than excited to have you on again i feel like we're gonna need to put a, a joe and emma series together here because I we can that. we would <laughs> i know us i have a feeling we're going to dive so deep people are gonna need to stop driving stop their walks take out a notepad and start writing things down i yeah. already feel like my mind has been so blown today i was coming in a bit tired because just life being in my masculine a little bit and feeling a little disorganized myself within my femininity and i feel so excited and reignited to oh, i'm so glad to hear that present honestly just i am chasing right now and i didn't realize it until our our time together i'm like this um, is why i feel messed up right now like hold on a second yeah. and just going back to even my own educational roots and now it's spiritual root of the egg and the sperm and just understanding life and in that capacity i'm like wait a minute you know why know why this isn't working the way i want because i am chasing i'm mm. not presenting and allow myself to receive yeah. you are amazing joe seriously oh I hope, well thank you, you so everyone, much Noah. i really hope everyone just takes all the notes i know this was a long podcast i'm not editing this in the slightest I, I think this is such a pleasure and I, I can't wait to have you back on again. Seriously. It would be my pleasure. It was so good to talk with you, Emma. I, I really love your insights and you have Thank a lot you. of, you know, really great insights into this whole thing. And yeah. I loved hearing everything that you wanted to say. And you really made it easy for me to talk about these things and, and welcoming and all of that. So thank you so thank much. Thank you so much. Seriously. Thank you so much, Joe. All right, everyone. If you are following The Cozy Feminine on Instagram, you know what to do. The Cozy Feminine on Instagram. I need to update some blogs. We only have one on the site right now, but we're going to get there. And I am so excited for everyone. Please stay tuned to having more Joe and Emma time because I think this is just going to get more and more exciting. All right, everyone, have a great day, and we'll talk to all of you very soon.